is uh, such a privilege to have uh, <clears throat> a great missionary, apostle in the faith to be with us this morning to bring the word, and I believe it's going to be a word in due season that I want to encourage you to open your hearts to. Uh, Dwayne and Sue, who founded the amazing mission base in, uh, called Roca Blanca, has uh, done an amazing work, planted 40 or 50 or maybe 60 churches in that area, and uh, we are really blessed, I feel, and privileged to have such a man of God that we've known for many, many years to be here with us this morning. So if you'll just welcome him as he comes, he's just going to bring the word to us. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife and I got to know Pastor Danny and Pat, Patricia and the, and the family uh, very well. And there we were four hours in the car, uh, <laughs> bouncing, going over uh, the uh, Sierra Madre Mountains and uh, ending up in a little town called uh, Ixtapen. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, you get to know each other on those trips. Uh, Tyler, if you'll stay over here at your instrument, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Tyler said, well, you finally wrote the book. And I said, yeah. He said, I remember four hours of listening to you. And uh, <laughs> he said, well, you know, you, could, you couldn't get out of the car because we couldn't. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story. And actually, maybe this isn't too good. Uh, once we had a team come from St. Louis, uh, a short-term team, and uh, we forgot to ask, you know, their preferences. And uh, can you hear me okay? And uh, so we were on a long journey in a four-wheel drive uh, suburban, and uh, many of the people that we ministered to in southern Mexico in the state of Oaxaca, they live in the mountains, indigenous people. We have uh, 17 tribes. I'm going to say it again. 17 tribes of people. 17 tribes of indigenous people. And uh, many people don't know that. They just think Mexico is Mexico. It is Mexico. <laughs> but uh, way down south, you know, when the Spaniards came, uh, they didn't round up the, the Indians and put them in reservations. Uh, they're still there. Still living in the mountains. Still speaking their dialects. And when we went there 30 years ago, uh, the state of Oaxaca, that's where we are. If you look on the map and uh, draw a straight line from Dallas, Texas, through Mexico City and run off into the ocean, and that's where we are. And uh, anyway, 30 years ago when we went there, the state of Oaxaca, Oaxaca means the land of the seed in the dialect. The state of Oaxaca had the uh, the most unreached people's groups, uh, this sounds unbelievable, but in this entire continent, Western Hemisphere, right there in this uh, area. And so uh, I'm sure that's why God sent us there, <laughs> called us there. Yeah. And so um, I thank God for my wife, uh, 42 years, and this morning uh, she's driving south She's driving, I'm flying, that doesn't seem fair. <laughs> um, I do love her. <laughs> She's with other people. And uh, a couple that's running our trade school at our missions base. And another young man from our missions base. And my wife 
has had, uh, I think she's got her doctorate's degree in getting things across the border. <laughs> Dr. Sue, Doctora Susan. <laughs> so anyway, she helped him. And uh, you know, the word says we live in uh, dangerous times. Second Timothy chapter three said in the last days there'll be uh, perilous times, perilous times. It's perilous times. Uh, it was interesting to me this morning that your, a lot of your worship songs, several, for, you know, I, I don't know if you heard, but I heard something. I've heard, uh, no matter what happens, I, I've decided to stay with you. Uh, you know, I heard the difficulties, I've heard times of difficulty, uh, affliction, etc. But we decided to stay with you. That, you know, I, I felt those are somewhat prophetic songs. Before I go further, I need to do something. Uh, Sue and I were, we were pastors over in Larned, Kansas from 1980 to, to 1990. And so, uh, with us today, is uh, Ruth Morrow. Ruth, Ruth, why don't you stand, please? Uh, Ruth and her husband, George, uh, were leaders in that church with us. And uh, George, George changed residency. George went, went home to the other side about two years ago. Ruth, it's so good to have you here today. Thank you. Ruth lives over in Paola. Also, Cale and Marcia Irway, who came in uh, to the work at that time. And of course, I think you know Charles playing the trumpet and Ellie, Ellie. Charles and Ellie, why don't you stand? Um, my wife and I knew Ellie when she was about uh, eight years old, I believe. And uh, as soon as we moved to Mexico 31 years ago, she came to live with us. And then Charles came. She, she was older than eight when Charles came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. They have two beautiful, a son and a daughter, and uh, praise the Lord. So, uh, yeah, good to be with you today. Yeah. 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 You know, if it, uh, it's real simple, but sometimes we, we lose it. Are we, I don't know, maybe we, it just becomes sort of a routine. But isn't it amazing that uh, you can gather here at uh, 10 o'clock, is that what time? You can gather here at 10 o'clock the first day of the week, Sunday morning, and actually experience God's presence. Yeah. I think that's, isn't that amazing? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Jesus said, the, the Father has given all things to me. And then Jesus takes of what has been given to him and gives to the Holy Spirit, who's here today. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, we, we serve a God who's, who's up there somewhere. We know he's up there. And Jesus is sitting at his right hand. But isn't it wonderful that the Holy Spirit is here in the earth today? Yeah. 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 I tell the, 
I want to move along, but help me just warm up here. <laughs> you know, so we come to meet with him, and then we really should plan on hearing from him. You know, whoever stands here, it's quite a, it's quite a spot to be standing in. Uh, because really, you've come to hear the word of God. Not just any word. You, you come to hear the word, you know. So that's a challenge, isn't it, Pastor Danny? Pastor, Pastora, Patricio. You know, it's a great honor to stand here before you. It's also a great responsibility. You know, and going back to the area of worship, you know, uh, Bill Johnson says, no greater honor than hosting God's presence. Think about it. Is there a little bit of a ring? Are you hearing? Am I okay? I've got a little feedback up here. Listen, think about it. No greater honor on the face of the earth than hosting God's presence. Think about it. So we come here, first of all, to host his presence. And, you know, he, ha he inhabits our praises. And if we'll really get into it, if we'll give it, give and we receive. You know, as we give worship, we receive his presence. Isn't that? We receive his person, you know. No greater honor on the face of the earth than receiving his, than, than, than having his presence with us. And also, no greater responsibility. Tremendous responsibility to have God's presence with us. Would you pray with me again just for one moment? And when I say pray, you know, prayer is conversational. Prayer is listening. Uh, he says, be still and know that I'm God. time at times a challenge to be still and uh, know just be still and know and so Holy Spirit I really invite you I personally invite you to uh, speak through me anoint us let your uh, glory increase over us even as we uh, work in the word Thank you for the company of angels around about us. The Holy Spirit, thank you for being here to guide us and lead us into all truth. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I like to stop and pray at times. And that isn't always talk. It's just sometimes, you know, stop and listen. So I began to say, 2 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse 1, you don't really need to turn there, but it says, uh, in the last days, perilous times will come. You know, I'm going back to Sue and the people who just crossed the border, spent the last three days crossing the border, Laredo, Texas. You know, we used to struggle there as we went, uh, began to crossing the border 31 years ago and taking supplies down to our mission space and this and that. Our challenge was there would be uh, dishonest 
uh, border officials who, who, who needed bribes. <laughs> and so, you know, you, you had to figure out how to do that. You know, you, you could try to pay your taxes and do it right, but it wouldn't work. You'd also have to learn how to give bribes, you know. Well, you could spend several days at the border doing this little uh, situation with the officials and trying to get across. It, but it's no longer that way anymore. It's, it's that way to some extent. But now you have to deal with the cartels. And uh, as our people crossed the border two days ago, uh, they were followed, chased, and, uh, you know, um, they made it. Isn't that good? Um, we're living in perilous times. I think so far, you know, even the police being defunded and such things, but so far, it's not all that dangerous. But I believe we're going to experience trouble times. Increasingly troubled times. And I don't want to give you bad news. We just have to <laughs> face reality. You know. Be ready. Thank you. Thank you. Be ready. I felt the songs this morning were all about getting ready. And uh, for perilous times. Troubled times. Yeah. I think, I think we sense it in our spirit. If we're awake, you know. Uh, you can sense it. And so Jesus uh, spoke about two men who built a house. Uh, one built his house on the sand, and one dug deep and built his house on the rock. But they both experienced winds and storms. And, and, and you know, he spoke that. That's his word. So uh, we likewise have got to dig deep. We've got to dig deep and get really down to the bedrock. Yeah. It takes some digging. It really takes some effort on our part. I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his mercy. And you know, it's a fine line between uh, what could be works and what could be just diligence. I'm going to say it again. Maybe you didn't hear me. It's a fine line between what can be diligence. You know, discipleship is diligence. To really follow Jesus, to be diligent, to dig deep and get on the rock. Um, it's, not just, it's not just kind of loafing. It's really digging down. Digging down in the word. Uh, pressing into the presence. Laboring to enter into the rest. Isn't that interesting? It says in Hebrews, laboring to enter into the rest. That's the place of confidence and trust instead of, you know, being like this. Laboring to enter into the rest. So it's, it's a delicate balance. Yes, he's merciful. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he will follow us. Yes, he will chase us down. Yes, he forgives us thousand times. But yes, we need to grow up. It's called repentance. <laughs> it's called letting your soul be converted. It's great to get born again. Boom, happens in a minute. You know, some of you got born again slowly. <laughs> really, I'm telling you the truth. Some of you just went to Sunday school, grew up singing about Noah and the ark and this and that. And, you know, the word just kind of took hold and finally you decided you were a child of God. 
Isn't that right? Some of the folks are like that. I wasn't like that. <laughs> I got born again. Something like that. No question. But anyway, whichever way it is, whether it happened slowly with you or whether it was a dynamite experience, uh, it takes some digging down to the foundation. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul over in Ephesians chapter 2, I want to start about verse 18. <laughs> I'm still just getting, we got to get to the, we'll come along here. <laughs> verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 2, it says, now through him, through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Let's give him a hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Through Jesus Christ, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Through him, we have access unto the Father. We're before the Father right now. Do you know that? Here we are, seated in heavenly places before the Father. Isn't that fantastic? Verse 18, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19 says, well, then we're no longer strangers and foreigners, but we're fellow citizens of the household of God. Isn't that wonderful? Fellow citizens of the household of God, Jew and Gentile, joined together, one new man. And then it goes on to say in verse 20, now listen carefully, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. There's apostolic foundations. Would you say it with me? Apostolic foundations. And there's prophetic foundations. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, apostolic foundations should be that we know the founding fathers, uh, the apostle Peter, who got the keys and opened the door. And 3,000 Jews came in, turned the key. Day of Pentecost, 3,000 Jews came into the kingdom. He had the keys. Jesus said, I'll give to you the keys. And then he went over to Cornelius' house sometime later to the Gentiles. That's us, turned the key, opened the door, and we began to come in. But anyway, Apostle Peter, Paul, James, John, we ought to be founded upon the basic Apostles' Creed, the, the basic doctrines of Christ. We ought to be able to explain what justification by faith means. We ought to be able to explain what sanctification means. We ought to be able to explain the basic principles founded on the apostles. There's the historic apostles of the church, founding fathers. There's present-day apostles. And then we need to be founded upon the prophetic word of God, the prophetic scripture. I'm going to say it again. We need to be founded upon the prophetic scripture, the apostolic scripture, the prophetic scripture. I'll quote the verse again. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, Build upon the foundation, the house, digging deep, foundations, dig deep. Build upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Yeah. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. See? Yeah. So, apostolic foundations and prophetic foundations. Jesus Christ the cornerstone. We got to dig down to the rock. We ought to have, every one of us in our lives, the ability to express 
I've been justified by faith. I've been regenerated. I've been reconciled. I've been redeemed. I've been sanctified. I've been, and I have before me every day, propitiatory grace. And someday I'll be glorified. Those are seven basic apostolic doctrines of the founding fathers. Once we were crossing the border, I'm having a bad memory. <laughs> we spent three days trying to cross the border. I won't go off on this too long. I was driving a logging truck. You don't cross the border very easily with a logging truck. And finally, I passed it for a day, trying again at another border. And I was sitting before the Jadisha policeman. And he was smoking his cigarette and talking on the phone. He was a very important person. And I was sitting there waiting for my opportunity. <laughs> and finally I said, sir, you are a judicial policeman. Do you understand justification by faith? <laughs> yeah, it is. He said, what? I said, sir, justification by faith. Do you understand justification by faith? He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> we had a little conversation. He said, I'm going to fix the machine. Just push the button, it'll go green. <laughs> I said, thank you. Green lets you go through. <clears throat> it really happened. Foundational truths. So, today, I want to speak to you. Excuse me, that's a wrong phase, a phrase. I'm going to endeavor to serve God, talking to you, speaking to you in obedience about prophetic foundations. Because we need to prophetically understand the time in which we live and know what we ought to do. I'm going to say it again, in case you missed it. We need to understand prophetically the time in which we live. And we need to understand what we should do. We're God's people. We shouldn't be confused. And followers of uh, whatever news channel or whatever this or that, we, we don't have to be confused. It's been written. We have the ability to have prophetic foundations and apostolic understanding. If you'll open your Bibles, please. I think it's good to still use paper. Um, I don't have one up here, so I'm a little hypocritical. This is, we're not gonna preach out of my book. <laughs> but uh, I wanna use the New King James Version I'd encourage you, if you don't have that version, throw your Bible away and get one. <laughs> Not partial, I just wanted to tell you the truth. <laughs> Whatever version you have, I think it's always good to come back to more of the versions that were written before all the versions started coming out. Uh, sometimes just one little word, a little different, yeah, that's to get your attention. <laughs> will cause you 
to lose a meaning of a very important scripture. I, I read NIV, and in Spanish we have, a, we have, I don't know how many versions. Do you know how many versions you have, Charles and Ellie? We got a bunch of them. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'll, you can try it, you know, look at this way, this way. Oh, come on, come on. Open your Bibles, please, to Second Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to deal with three verses primarily. This is our primary text, verse 16, 17, 18, and 19 of 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, chapter 1, excuse me. Lord Jesus, thank you. 2 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> Verse 16. Before we do verse 16, and while you're getting there, let me give you the setting. Peter, James, and John, the three closest ones, went up to a high mountain with Jesus, and he was transfigured before them. You can find that in Matthew 17 and over in Luke. He was transfigured before him, before them. A cloud came down over them. What an experience, no? And Peter, James, and John heard God speak out of the cloud. Out of the most excellent glory. That's a powerful one. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Peter, James, and John heard that. They had that experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yeah. So now we get to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 16. And Peter's talking about that experience. Look what he says. For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So we weren't, this is not just a fable. <laughs> Jesus is the one. We were on the mountain. We heard God say, we are witnesses. He's the one of his powerful coming. He came, <laughs> he is, and he will come again. Yeah. Amen. Next verse, 17. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Don't you love the way Peter put that? We heard his voice when the voice came from the excellent glory. I wait for the time where we are in the excellent glory, when the cloud so fills the temple. Yeah. You know, we know about, we can say where two or three are gathered together, we know he's here. He can't lie. We can experience a certain amount of anointing, that's good. But glory, we should be moving from faith to faith and glory to glory. Glory is a different thing. Glory is God's, he's the father of glory. He's the God of glory. It says in Hebrews, he's calling many sons unto glory. 
And so as he's calling us to glory, it's not just like, oh, fly away, oh, glory. <laughs> Remember that one, old folks? <laughs> His glory is coming to the earth. Arise, shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has come to you. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There's dimensions of glory. But in this case, they heard the Father speak out of the most excellent glory. Hmm. I'm waiting for that one. Verse 18, he's witnessing, he's testifying, Peter is, to us. And he's saying, we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So, so far Peter is saying to us, look, when we told you about the coming of the Lord, first coming and second coming, because you go on to chapter 3 of his book here, and he gets pretty strongly into the second coming. He said, when we told you about all this, we were not following fables. We were with him. We were on the mountain. Peter, James, and John and I were there. Uh, we were all there. And we heard his voice out of the most excellent glory. This is clear, isn't it? Yeah. So now verse 14, uh, thir- 19. Lord Jesus, help me. Verse 19 of 2 of Peter chapter 1. Are you there? Yes. We're going to break the bread. You know your eyes open in the breaking of the bread. Verse 19, four pieces. And so... We have the prophetic word confirmed. Oh, say that with me. The prophetic word confirmed. That's what we want to do today. Which you will do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. Look what he's doing. There's four exhortations or four aspects of this little verse. Isn't it amazing? First of all, Peter is saying the prophetic word about Jesus' first coming, about his second coming, everything about Jesus is confirmed. The prophetic word is confirmed. It's not a fable. Secondly, we do well, listen carefully, we do well to heed the prophetic scripture. Meditate on the word, heed. We do well to heed the the prophetic scripture. Pay attention to it. Study it. Dig deep. Understand the prophetic scripture. Why? Because it's like a light. The scriptures, they are as a light that shines in a dark place. The dark place can be your heart, my heart, our minds, this world, if we don't have the light of the prophetic scripture. The prophetic scripture is a light that shines in a dark place and causes us to understand the time in which we live and what we ought to do. The prophetic scripture is a light that shines in a dark place and gives us understanding. And we should give heed to it. 
we don't have to be confused. We're to give heed to it, to the prophetic scripture, dig deep, build your house on it. We're to meditate on it. We're to understand it. We're to pray and fast over it until two things happen. The verse, until the day dawns and until the morning star arises in your heart. I want to say it again. Peter was on the mountain. He said, it's all real. It's not a fable. And we have prophetic scripture. And we should get heed to it about the coming of the Lord. We should give heed to it until the day dawns. What is that? Well, until he comes for you and takes you away. Or until he comes in great power and glory and raises the dead and takes us all away. And the day dawns in that he will reign upon the earth. The day of the Lord is as a thousand years. Second Peter chapter 3. I don't want you to be ignorant of this, that one day is as a thousand years with the Lord. The day of the Lord is a thousand year reign of Christ upon the earth. We should give heed to the prophetic scripture and not be confused until the day is here. Then it's over. He's here. Is that clear? Dig deep. We also should give heed to the prophetic scripture until another thing happens. Until the morning star arises in our hearts. Now probably, I got saved 50 years ago, probably I've read 2 Peter chapter 1 20 times, 30 times. I don't know how many times. You know, read the word. (laughs) But isn't the word amazing? Because then, all of a sudden, one verse or one phrase takes on all this new meaning. So folks, we're to give heed to the prophetic scripture until the day comes. But until the morning star arises in your heart and mine, the prophetic scripture will cause something to happen in your heart. It will cause the morning star to arise. And you can go, what is that? It's there. He had the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's not just writing a poem. In the natural... I love the morning star. I love to see it where we are. We live right by the ocean. There's no, not a lot of lights. And about four in the morning, you can see the morning star, if you are alert, coming up out of the eastern darkness, sometimes right out over the ocean. And the morning star, the bright and morning star. In the natural, the morning star is an announcement. It's the last star of the night, and it's the announcement, the morning is coming. Do you get it? It's it's just the way it is. 
That's in the natural. Now, Jesus is also the morning star. Now, listen very carefully. In that, he is the last. What do I mean? When Jesus, the Son of Man, was on the cross as a human being with blood and bones and flesh, born of the Virgin Mary, and God was looking down upon him, God took you and me and all of Olathe and all of Kansas and all of the United States and all of the human race and put us into one man. And he crucified us. And in Jesus, the human race was crucified. All the human race has been crucified in the eyes of God. It doesn't, it's, it doesn't work. <laughs> the human race was crucified in the person of one man. Read the apostolic scriptures again of Romans chapter 5. By sin, by one man's sin entered in, by one man's sin was taken care of. One man died for all men, therefore all are dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We died in Christ. A lot of people don't know that. Even some sitting here today. The reason we were baptized is because we were buried. We accepted our death. You see, the Apostle Paul said, I was crucified with Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Nevertheless, I live, live, yet not I, but Christ living in me. So I'm just a tint. I'm in a natural body. I am a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, but I'm no longer living because I was legally and technically crucified with Christ. Therefore, I submitted to burial and baptism, and I have no human rights. It's not about me. I was crucified. And if you can get that, and if I can get it, we will be totally free from sin. Why? A dead man does not sin. Read Romans 6 again and get apostolic foundations. We were crucified with Christ. The reason we were buried in baptism was not to get wet and it was not just to get a little plaque on the wall, or it was not even to join a church. We were baptized as a prophetic statement that we accept our death and burial with Jesus Christ, and we no longer live, and we come out of the water, and the devil has absolutely no right on us. He has no place in me. I don't live. I don't listen to him. I'm dead. I'm dead to sin, I'm dead to the devil, I'm dead to the world. See, the Apostle Paul over in Galatians, he said, the world was crucified unto me and I unto the world. What's he talking about anyway? He's talking about in Jesus Christ, we were all crucified. Now you see, that's really the answer to sin. I believe in inner healing, I believe in deliverance. But I believe if you're not on the foundation of your dead, stop thinking about you. <laughs> I mean, really, it's not about you. It's not about me. Well, we were worshiping. Thank you, worshipers. Hey, where'd he go? It's all right. He took a little break. I came here, decided I'm going to kneel down. I'm going to say, 
not about me. I'm just here. Will you please do what you need to do? I want to serve you. Not about me. It's not about whether I preach good or bad. I mean, it'd be good to preach good. I mean, do it good for him. But it's not about me. It's about his word. Yeah, well, look. We're talking about the morning star. You remember that? The morning star in the natural is the last and the first. Jesus is the last and the first. The last of the human race, crucified, all were crucified in him. He is the first, and that he's risen from the dead. He is the head of the new creation. If you come up out of the water, you are part of that new creation. We are a new creation in Christ. Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit descended, and God said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I will please. You come up out of the water, the heavens open, the Holy Spirit descends, and God says, This is my beloved Son and daughter, in whom I will please. That's your legal stance before him. But we're talking about the morning star. And we're talking about the prophetic scripture should be so real to us and meditating in the, in the prophetic scripture and digging deep and getting the understanding of the prophetic scripture because the prophetic scripture we just heard in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19 is a light. In Spanish it says it's an antorcha. It's a torch that lights the way. The prophetic scripture, we should meditate in it, cling to it, understand it in its ongoing revelatory power, ever-increasing understanding. We should meditate in it until the day dawns, until Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom and also until the day star dawns in our hearts. Now, I've told you what the natural day star is. It's the morning star, last and the first. Jesus is also the bright morning star. He's the last and the first. And there's a promise over in Revelation that said, whosoever comes, overcomes, I will give you the bright and morning star. Now, meditating in the prophetic scripture causes something to happen in your heart. The morning star arising in your heart. Now this is, we're going to nail it down, okay? The light of the prophetic scripture causes us, if we meditate in it, pay attention to it, dig deep, causes us to say, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Everything begins to be focused on the eternal. Nothing matters here because we see it's all coming to a climatic crescendo. And we're saying the morning star is a cry. The spirit and the bride say, come. Are you with me? I'm not all the way there. I'm getting there. But let me tell you another thing it does to you, the morning star. It causes you to say this, then I love you so much 
that the only thing I want to focus on is getting the people out of this place for your name. Because there's a big harvest all around us. And if we really love him, we become harvesters. The church is to be a harvest machine. You know, some of you are farmers, combines. It shouldn't be something that we just wash and grease and clean and week to week wash and grease and clean. It's to be used. Not just set in the barn. No condemnation, no criticism. Did you get it? The, the combine in the barn will not bring in the harvest. The field is not going to come jump through the combine. I wrote this book. It's called The People for His Name. Because for the last however many years, I, I can't say Pastor Danny 100% pure but we have lived to bring forth people for his name. Because the end of the line is this. John got a picture, Apostle John, of the end. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. He saw before the throne a great multitude of the redeemed, the redeemed, the blood-bought redeemed from every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus paid the price. They're all out there. We have to bring them in. This is called looking unto and hastening the day of God. Did you hear it? We still, down there, where we are, have certain pockets of people to reach. Nobody else is reaching them. We're called to them. We this is a little complicated, but may be able to hasten the day of God. He's waiting for those people. You see, James chapter 5, verse 7 says, he is patiently waiting until he receives the early and the latter rain. He's waiting for the harvest of the earth. So you see, the morning star in your heart causes you to focus on the day is coming, this darkened world is going to end. But I must not just, I love to worship. I could spend the whole day in worship just before him. But I don't have that privilege. There's a bunch of wheat out there. It requires work. Requires administration. Requires making disciples. Members don't normally harvest. Disciples do, if they really are. I've shared with you, verse 19, that The prophetic scripture should cause these things to happen in us. 
We should meditate in it, give heed to it until the, until the day comes. <coughs> In great power and glory, he's here. Yeah. And also, we should give heed to it until something's been transformed in us. Until finally, it's just about him and about the people he died for. And it's not just mystical. is to do something. Now I'm going to do this. And I see some of you are taking notes. I never go before the Lord. And I don't mean any condemnation in this. It's not my point. I never go before the Lord without pencil and paper or without nowadays an iPad. Because I anticipate he's going to say something to me. So I just want to show up. I'm praying my mind will be the mind of Christ and I won't forget anything. But we're in bodies that are still weak. I told you the reason for prophetic scripture. Is it clear? Now what I'm going to do is we're going to fly over. We will do. I'm going to give you some prophetic basic prophetic scripture that I think I encourage you all to dig deep and I will continue to dig deep. Understand. So hang on. If you take notes, that's good. If not, perhaps this is recorded. If you want to dig deep. Because what we're going to do is we're going to do an overview. We're going to do a drone pass but we'll take a look now let's do prophetic scripture so therefore we're to take heed pay attention to and know the prophetic scripture so where do we start I say start with Jesus he's apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher so if you want to start with prophet Jesus then you should go to Matthew chapter 24 Matthew chapter 25 because Matthew chapter 24 and 25 are a prophetic is a prophetic discourse of Jesus Christ answering a question you see the disciples were coming out of the temple with Jesus Matthew chapter 24 verse 1 and 2 they're coming out of the temple and they're so impressed with the building Herod's second temple second temple did you get it second temple first temple second temple They're coming out of the temple. They're so impressed with the buildings. And they say to Jesus, look at the beautiful building. Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another. (gasps) What? (laughs) And then they ask him a question. Verse 3. They say to him, when shall this be? And what will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? And so he takes a little walk with them. He goes across the Kidron Valley. He sits down on the Mount of Olives. And he begins to speak to them all of chapter 24 and all of chapter 25 is a prophetic discourse. So if you want to get prophetic foundations and not confusing, just go read them over and over and over and over and over and over. Maybe memorize parts of that scripture because memory, memory work is meditate. Blessed he who meditates in the word day and night. If you memorize, I think it builds brain cells and I think it renews your mind so that we have the mind of Christ. But listen, okay? Matthew chapter 24, 25, overview. Yeah. So, verse 4 through 13 is a, is a basket of things. 
Three times he says, don't be deceived, don't be deceived, don't be deceived. <laughs> if he said it three times, then you better watch, we better think about that one. Dig deep. Then he says, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, wars, rumors of wars, <laughs> all of this. <laughs> and then he says, this is the beginning of birth pains. Birth pains, birth pains. In one version, the version you're reading, it says the beginning of sorrows. Another version over in the book of Luke says, this is the beginning of birth pains. How many mothers here? How many went through birth pains? So, ouch. <laughs> A little later, ouch. And then, ouch, ouch, ouch. They increase, don't they? Yeah. I've not done it. <laughs> don't plan to. I've seen it. A little bit. So, we're in birth pains right now. They're going to increase. Ouch. Hey, what was that? Ouch. Again. Yeah. They're going to intensify, intensify, intensify. What's being born anyway? Well, in a sense, it's twins, but one doesn't have anything to do with the other. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad illustration, truthfully. One thing that's being birthed is the Antichrist one world system. Punto. That means period. <laughs> that's happening. The head's already out, I think. I think birth pains is, yeah, boom, heads out, guys. <laughs> I don't think you can reverse it. You might be able to. I don't know. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> Did you follow me or not? <laughs> the water broke. <laughs> Come on. But the second thing that's happening, the one we want to look for, the kingdom of God is coming. That's it. Now, so verse, verse 4 through 13 is a bunch of, a whole, a whole canasta full of things, a whole, whole basket full of things. We won't even try to think about them right now. Verse 14 changes. It's another prophetic statement. And he says in verse 14, that now this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all nations, then the end will come. It's not just the gospel of Jesus saves. It's not just the gospel of the Lamb. It's not just the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of the King with power and demonstration yeah. signs wonders <laughs> the dead are raised the lame walk <laughs> the blind see and the deaf hear and the dumb speak yeah. if in you go we have to understand something there's something called the early rain and the latter rain and we can't go there much right now but the early rain was the book of acts and if peter walking along and his shadow healed people joel if you want to get prophetic foundations out of joel joel said if you'll pray fast consecrate your life you'll get a double portion you'll get the early rain you'll get the latter rain it'll all be on you i think it's a double portion i think the double portion is those is for those who will do it you got to seek the double portion. What's the double portion? The double portion is twice as much as Peter, James, and John had. How come? Because it's twice as dark. Come on. The Antichrist is manifesting. Demons are being released out of hell. Fallen angels are, 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 are coming to the earth. It's the truth. Principalities and powers are governing nations. We have people in authority who are going into principality realms, getting instruction, and coming back and doing it. We got to understand who, who. And so when it says submit to government, well, yes and no. But come on, 
So verse 14 is, there's a gospel of the kingdom that's going to be preached. And why is it going to be with demonstration of power? Because the Antichrist also will do great signs and wonders. It's going to be in demonstration and power. Because in Joel chapter 3, it says, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. You're going to believe it on this side, or you're going to believe it on that side. You're going to be wheat, or you're going to be chaff. And I believe that God is going to raise up a company of people who will pay the price. And he's going to give a double anointing. We're going to see the dead raised. We're going to see the lame walk. But it's a calling. It's not automatic. You will not get it just watching TV. It's costly. Okay, but we didn't stay there. Verse 15 changes. You know where we are? Matthew 24. Verse 15 changes. Attention, please. Jesus makes a powerful prophetic statement in verse 15. He says, Therefore, when you see the abomination spoken of by Daniel the prophet, he who reads, let him understand. Hey, come on. He's saying, Jesus is saying to us, a really strong sign about my coming. Because that's the question he's answering. When is his coming? What are the signs? A really strong one is when the Antichrist appears in the third temple and takes away the daily sacrifice and declares himself to be God. Are you all with me? Are you really all with me? Now I think that is, I think all scripture has different levels and sometimes a, a variety of applications. But when you see in the I'm going to say it. It's not just the abomination in the temple over there. It's the abomination and the Lutheran, the Methodist, the, the Mennonite, the etc., etc. And you all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Let's move. In 15, Jesus said, when you see the abomination and desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, it's Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. He said, then something's going to happen. Verse 21 of Matthew 24. Then it's going to begin great tribulation. And then verse 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 goes on and says, And then if they say to you, he's here or there or this or that, don't believe it. Because as lightning comes out of the east and shines into the west, shows shall be the coming of the Son of Man. Boom. Verse 29. We're doing the Zoom trip. Verse 29. He says, then, immediately after the tribulation of those days, listen carefully, immediately after I'm giving you prophetic foundations, the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars from heaven will shine, not shine. Why? The lights go out. Only Jesus. And then shall the Son of Man come, and all the tribes of the earth will see him when he comes in great power and glory in the clouds with all of his holy angels. Yes, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall. Why? Turn out the lights. It's just on Jesus. And then he will send his angels, verse 31 of Matthew 24, to gather together his elect from the four corners of the earth. And then verse 40, two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Taken where? Left where? One left on the earth, the other taken to the bride, to the, to the feast. One will go, one will stay. Yeah. He sent his angels together, together elect, to gather them together in the cloud. We shall meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. Come on. 
And Matthew 25, Jesus didn't say to the disciples, okay, now chapter 25. He goes right on in the same context, and he said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. It'll be like 10 virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. Yeah, the bridegroom being Jesus, we're all there. The 10 virgins being all who've been washed in the blood, because washed in the blood makes us clean as if it had never happened. All right? All the virgins who have been washed in the blood. But when we go on in the parable, three parables in Matthew 25. Don't fall out on me. We're going to go right through. There were two types of virgins. They were all asleep. But they woke up. But there were two types. Foolish ones and wise ones. What was the difference? The distinctive factor. The wise ones had oil in their lamp and they bought a 20-gallon jug and they were carrying it along. My version. The foolish had no oil, not even for their lamps. And they're going, what's happening? Where are we? <laughs> Give us of your oil. Tell us. They're saying, guys, for 10 years we've been sanctifying our lives, preparing and doing the work. I'm sorry. I can't give you of mine. You got to buy yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in. And the door was shut. What happened to the ones who stayed? They go to hell? No, they just didn't go to the wedding feast. The wedding feast? Excuse me. I can't help it. It's the highest honor in the universe. If you get invited to that one, it means you're going to set it aside for eternity. Go read the letters to the churches. And two of them, the condition with the promise is, if you overcome, you will set at my side and rule over the nations. But there were five foolish ones. We stayed on the earth and kept grinding and kept working in the field. Matthew 25 is three parables. The first one is the parable of the virgins. The next one is the parable of the talents. I don't like the version that says bags of gold, <laughs> talents. We all have different abilities and talents, you know, different means. It might, be, it might be finances, but I think it's deeper than finances. So the kingdom of heaven is like this, Jesus said. He says, like a man going into, a nobleman going into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. That's Jesus. And he called together his servants this case three of them to one he gave five talents to one he gave two talents and to the other one he gave one and uh, they were to gain he returns when Christ returns we will all stand before what's called the judgment seat of Christ 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 says this for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what we've done in our body whether good or bad I don't know if any of you were in 4-H you ever hear of 4-H yeah, yeah. the 4-H fair I used to have a little lamb. Take the little lamb to the 4-H fair. Washing, cleaning, color fair. You might get a, a, a blue ribbon, a red ribbon, or a white, depending on how he walks, how he stands, how he looks, etc. <laughs> well, the, the, the judgment seat of Christ is not for condemnation. should not be. It's just whether you get a blue ribbon, a red ribbon, or a white. <laughs> Come on now. So when Jesus returned, <laughs> the guy that gained five, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. The guy who gained two, he said the same to him. The guy who hid his, hid his, what he had, did nothing with it. Buried it in the dirt, the dirt. It wasn't so good for him. Read the rest of it. So then 
There's another parable in Matthew chapter 25. That parable is the judgment of the nations. All the nations will come before Christ when he's seated in his throne. Yes, really. The ones who did not treat well his brethren. There's only two groups of people on the face of the earth who are in covenant with the living God. One are those, the people of Abraham, and the other is us. And God didn't break his covenant with the Abrahamic people. However we treat the Jews and however Christians are treated will determine on what side the nation sit. If this nation goes against Israel, it'll sit on the left side and it'll be judged. Two groups of people that the enemy will try to exterminate from the face of the earth, the Christians and the Jews. And there will be those who take care of the Christians and the Jews and do as much as these unto the least of these, my brethren, as you've done unto me. The last part of Matthew 25. That is prophetic scripture, Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Now, of course, we could spend all week here. Let me quickly tell you then. Daniel, the book of Daniel is a manual. Please try to not fall out on me. I would be very good. I will finish. Listen, the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel. Come on, you guys, the book of Daniel. There are people that say, you can't understand these things. Don't even try. I'm telling you the truth. (laughs) There are professors. There are seminary graduates, doctors who say, it's all a fable. It's all a... Don't even bother with it. You guys confused. I'm telling you, that's a big lie. A really big lie. Because if the angel Gabriel visited Daniel four times, and he did, to talk to him and tell, um, if the angel Gabriel came down and visited Daniel four times, and he did, and told Daniel, write these things down concerning the time of the end, then you and I better know what is there. And I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I'm not boasting. I just thank God. I remember before I married Sue, I've been married to her for 42 years. I remember praying and fasting and writing every verse in the book of Daniel in a little book. Trying to understand it. I don't mean to be offensive if I shout like that. I, it's good, isn't it? It's gotten better. You can pray and fast over the book of Daniel because it was closed until the time of the end. It was sealed. Hey, guys, it's the seal's off. You can understand it. Especially chapter 2, chapter 7, and chapter 9. You've got to pray, you've got to fast, you've got to dig deep. It will not just flip open to you. But I'm telling you, you can have it. And you've got to get it until the day dawns, until the morning, until the morning star rises in your heart. That's the point. It'll keep you. It'll hold you steadfast. Daniel chapter 2 is an image. You guys know this image. Big image. Head of gold, silver, brass, iron, clay feet, mixed with iron. Four kingdoms that ruled over the land of Israel and over the Middle East. But the fourth one, this one, the toes. Remember there was the feet, the toes. There was a stone that was cut out. Hit the thing in the feet. We're at the feet. This image is simply all the world governments. We're in, what comes out first? The head. It's the feet that's coming out. 
and manifesting. The feet has ten toes. A stone fell, hit the image. That's the second coming of Christ. The stone became a big mountain that filled the whole earth. And all those governments, whether communism, socialism, whateverism, all fell down and became his chaff. And he reigns in righteousness and justice. So then you go to Daniel chapter 7 and the imagery changed and it's four beasts. Same story. Four governmental kingdoms, but yet there's a fourth beast. He's the beast that was, is not, and comes again. Did you get it? It was, it isn't, but it comes again. That's in Revelations. And Daniel in chapter 7 is meditating on the fourth beast. He wants to know more about the fourth beast, that great and terrible one that had tin horns, ugly, terrible, and it had a little horn that came out of the tin horns. The little horn is the Antichrist. And it says the little horn made war against the saints and spoke blasphemous things against the Most High God. Until the Ancient of Days came in the clouds, Daniel chapter 7, and he was judged and destroyed, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. Verse 27. Chapter 8 has three very good verses that talks about they're all good, but the sacrifice being taken away. But you get all mixed up over there. Nine, chapter 9 is so important to us. One of the most important prophetic scriptures of the Bible. Verse 27, we can't talk about it all the way now. Verse 27 talks about there will be a peace pact that allows the Jews to build their third temple. And then the Jews who never received Christ will begin to make their sacrifices. And then he will come in and take the, the Antichrist will come in and take the, take the sacrifice away. And then we'll begin great tribulation. It's all right there. So if you see that, then you know what's going on. The beast is coming out of the sea. We should go to Revelations 13 then. But before we go to Revelation 13, we should do Ezekiel chapter 36, 37, 38, and 39. But Ezekiel chapter 37 is the Jews coming together and returning to the land. Chapter 38 and 39 is the Gog-Magog war that's developing right now. And God's faithful and he comes in and no nation stands with Israel. But God himself, who is faithful to his covenant, steps in and shows the whole world who he is. So when you see Russia having bases, military bases, and bombers, big bombers in Syria, right next door, and Turkey and Iran and Iraq and all lining up getting ready for Gog Magog war. Then we know what time it is. We must consider Revelation chapter 13 and this flyover. It's not a drive-by, it's a flyover. Revelation 13 is a world government, a world religion, and a one world economy. Simple. And we're seeing it all coming. There's coming to one world government, there's coming to one world religion, and there's coming to one world economy. Unless you have a digital ID, <laughs> a digital bank account, a digital medical record, and a digital body, you're going to be on the outside. 
It's all going digital, including bodies. There's going to be two bodies. Body of Christ, we have the blood of Jesus. Watch out. It's all about the blood. There's a body over there. There's a body over here. Anticipate keeping the body and the blood in your body. He'll heal you, save you, free you from all pandemics and everything else. But we don't take it religiously. We don't take it flippantly. This is warfare. It's called biological warfare. Many are going to die. I'm going to finish. Revelation chapter 19 is so very important to us because It's the marriage of the Lamb. And verse 7, 8, and 9 says, Let us be glad and rejoice, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and the bride hath made herself ready. The bride hath made herself ready. And to us and to her was granted fine linen, clean and white. Yeah. Blessed are they who are called to the marriage feast of the Lamb. Yeah. Ends with verse... 7, 8, and 9, talking about the marriage feast of the Lamb, Revelation chapter 19. There's a little change. Verse 11. Then I saw the heavens open, and I saw a white horse descending, and I saw him who was on the white horse. <laughs> and he's coming, it says, for two things. To judge. <laughs> he's coming to rule. Jesus Christ will return and his feet will touch the earth when he comes on the white horse. And verse 14, the host of heaven on white horses is following him. In fine linen, clean and white, the bride comes back with him. See, it's all about two couples. There was Adam and Eve in the first couple. They were to multiply, fulfill the earth. The second couple will be Jesus and the bride. He comes on the horse. The Antichrist is thrown into the lake of fire and the false prophet is thrown into the lake of fire. It's all there. Chapter 19. Because they had to put chapters, we go into chapter 20 and Satan is put in a prison. Do you hear me, Mr. Satan? You're put in a prison for a thousand years and locked up. That's what he knows about and that's why he's come down with great wrath knowing that his time is short. He's got great wrath. His time's short. He's only got a little time. He's put into prison. And verse 4 of Revelation chapter 20 says, And I saw thrones. It's the government of God set up on the earth. And then I saw those who were beheaded. I saw those who were beheaded for not taking the mark, for not worshiping the beast. <laughs> and they ruled and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Perhaps some of you here will be martyrs. You should prepare for that. I don't think it's negative. I think the highest honor, really, you have to think about it. You have to meditate on it. I think you have to be chosen to be a martyr. Why do I think that? 
because it's written. You know, over in Revelations, and I might mess this up at about chapter 6, there's this scene, and so all these people who have been murdered, and they're crying out and they're saying, when are you going to take vengeance on the earth? And the word comes and says, until the rest of the martyrs come up. There's going to be many martyrs. I say millions. It's already happening in some places. But it will happen all over the earth. It will happen here. You've got to get ready for it. I think we should die daily. I don't think we should have a murder complex. But I think we should have a mind that's renewed. The end of Revelation chapter 20 is the final world. It's the final resurrection of all the dead and eternal judgment. All the dead are raised. It's interesting that happens over there in that one. All the dead come forth. All of them. And the books are open. That's what it says. And the Lamb's Book of Life is open. And everyone not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life into the lake of fire. That is horrible. I mean, really, if we could only think about it and consider it. I have tried to, you know, I almost went to hell. If you read the book, I'm not trying to sell it. If you need one, don't have money, just take it. I really mean it. The message is more important. It's all paid for anyway. I really mean that. I was this close to the gates of hell. My body died in 1970, December the 17th. And my soul went out of my body, falling straight into hell. And you know, pastors Danny and Patricia, I want to say Patricia, at times in the middle of the night I wake up, I think, oh God, I could be there now, locked up. Hell isn't even the final judgment, hell is the prison final judgment at the end when the books are all open there's a book on all of our lives if we're in the Lamb's book well then we're in his book well we need to heed the prophetic word until it's over be steady on the prophetic word. Be steady on apostolic and prophetic foundations holding on to Jesus. Would you stand, please? I believe that truthfully every word preached perhaps not every word if it's simply a teaching a 
doesn't require an altar. But most word from God requires an altar. But what's an altar? It's, it's a place of encounter and decision. And so, you know, really, today, you've heard he's coming again. You heard he came the first time. I don't know how you are with the Lord. Maybe there's some listening. Just happened to click on. Perhaps you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your only, only Lord and Savior. I invite you, not just to repeat a little prayer, but to give your entire heart and say, save me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved if it's from your depths of your heart. You mean it seriously. You want to turn from the old life. I don't know if you caught it, but I did. There's another message that I heard today. If you've been buried with Christ, crucified with him and buried. Sin has no more hold on you. So, come on, get over it. Get out of it. Stop it. It's not necessary. You don't have to. It's a lie. Repent. That is, make a decision. I must understand, take heed, pay attention to the prophetic word. Therefore, <laughs> I'm going to get out of it because he's coming. He's coming for a bride without wrinkle or spot. So I think that one's real, don't you? It's, it applies to all of us. It applies to me. Consecration, sanctification is an ongoing process. Oh yeah, we're sanctified in Him, set apart. But it is. It's a work. It's a work of grace. And Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I think here this altar there's a, a fourth point I choose to not ignore the prophetic scripture I choose not to just read books or just listen to TV or just do all of that which could help me but I believe we should go back to Jesus directly he gave us two full chapters in Matthew. I've already told you that. Go back. Prophet Daniel, Prophet Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and others that I didn't even mention. Go to John, who wrote Revelations. Go to them. Pray, meditate, fast, read. Over and over and over. Dig deep in the, in the Holy Word. Until the day comes. And until the star the bright and morning star is so strong in your heart that you are wholly given over to the one who bought you. Father, thank you for sending your word today. Yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Building your house on a firm foundation, apostolic, prophetic understanding, Jesus, <laughs> the main cornerstone, everything lining up. Well, we trust 
Holy Spirit, that you are working, doing things in our hearts and minds that we choose not to just keep it to ourselves, what you've done and the prophetic word that we understand, we choose. Oh God, we choose to go to the harvest. We choose to make disciples. We choose to reap, evangelize, and bring it in. And care for it. It's precious. We're sort of waiting on the Lord. We're waiting on you, Lord. chapter 1 and it says this it says do not give do not cease to give thanks I do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers and now listen to what he's going to pray right now and I believe it's uh, appropriate for today that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints in the saints I've been saying this over the last few weeks the prophetic word of Isaiah said darkness is going to cover the earth right but he goes on to say but deep darkness is going to cover people and we are seeing that and, and there's a spiritual blindness that is blanketing the earth right now that God has called us as believers and children of what? Light to dispel so that those that are in that deep darkness will what? They'll see they'll get the eyes of their understanding enlightened as he was saying go into the harvest, let's get out into the harvest blind you cannot see if there's no light but if there's light you'll see 
So let's just close with a word of prayer. Powerful word today. This is a timely word today for the day we're living in. And I so appreciate him, uh, Pastor Dwayne, just taking the time to walk us through this. And if you've taken notes or you listen to it again, I challenge you to go through the scriptures that he was highlighting and let the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you right now for just the reality of the revelation that comes not by our own natural understanding, but God, it comes by the, 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 the wisdom of God, which is the spirit of God into the saints of God. And as we open our hearts up and you said, if we would just hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God, Lord, that you would fill us. And I pray for everyone watching online. I pray for everyone in this room right now. Father, where our understanding has been darkened in any area, any area of our hearts that have been darkened, God, to where we're not seeing clearly that today would be the day that that glory, that light would burst out inside of us. And Father, we would see what we would not, not naturally see. God, thank you for the hope of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for the hope that's there, God. You fill us with hope, not despair. You've called us to overcome, not to be overcome. You've called us, Lord, as the head and not the tail. And today, God, we receive that calling. We receive that hope. And, Father, we thank you for it. Thank you for Pastor Dwayne, Father, and his willingness to just open his heart to us. And, God, we pray that the favor and the blessing of God would be returned to him. And we thank you for that, Father, today. Thank you for your clear word. It's not hard to understand. Your Holy Spirit must be the teacher. It is not difficult. And we don't have to go to seminary to get it. We go to the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. And, Father, I pray for all of us today, even as we open the word again this week, to stay in your word that our eyes would be enlightened. Oh, Father, thank you so much. <laughs> There's such great hope in the midst of all of it. And, Lord, I thank you for that. So bless, God, every person online, every person in this room, everyone that hears this message. Stir it in our hearts afresh. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand? Thank you, Jesus. Everybody that's read this book, it's available out there, has said it's amazing. It's even hard to put down. It's some of his life story and the journey that he's been through. So I just want to encourage you. I think uh, there's several copies out there. If you want to pick one up today, you can purchase it. That would be awesome. You will definitely enjoy it, and you'll get a larger picture of what he and his wife have been through to take light to a very dark place uh, in what they would call the Americas, right? <laughs> All right. Well, God bless you. Have an awesome uh, rest of your day. And, and again, let the Holy Spirit continue to teach you. Amen. God bless you.